If you'll look on the first page of the Bible, that's where we are this morning. It doesn't matter if it's large print or regular print or electronic version, it's page one. We're in Genesis 1 1 to 2 3 this morning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, <clears throat> Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark the seasons and the days and the years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars while he was at it. And he set them in the expanse of the sky to give light to the earth to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems. 
according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let's make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath in, of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God, <coughs> excuse me, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the create work of creating that he had done. Thank you for worshiping with us in the reading of his word. Long story short, and we're kicking off a brand new series this week. It's been kind of an odd uh, sermon series year for us because we started a really long series back in around Christmas. Uh, the gospel that didn't end until Easter and now we're going to launch into another pretty long one that will take us through most of the summer as we look at the Bible and kind of do, I guess you could call it a survey, an overview, although that sounds boring and this isn't going to be boring. So we're going to kind of hit the high points of the Bible. What, what's the story that it tells and what, what are the, the big moments that, that we should all be aware of and, and what their significance is for us because sometimes I think that's lost on us. The Bible, as we talked about last week in kind of an in-between message that dealt with the Bible and, and how our culture is increasingly skeptical of the Bible. And, and so we talked about what the Bible actually is. And just to remind us of some things, that the Bible is not 
a book like you would go and buy at a bookstore and read and take home and read. It's written by an author and so forth. It is more like a library or a collection of 66 different books, ancient manuscripts collected over a period of about 1400 years by something like 40 different authors. And the miracle of it is that somehow, despite all that time and all those different people involved with the process, it, it weaves one cohesive story that points to one thing and one person. And Jesus is the subject. That's what we believe as Christians. And so that's why we say it's God-breathed, because only God could put something together that would take that many different authors, that many different manuscripts, that over that large a span of time, and have it be so cohesive. People love to talk about, um, you know, the contradiction here, or a, a problem over there, or how come this doesn't match up with this, and one reason may be that they're reading the wrong type of book, like <laughs> they need to figure out what type of book they're reading, but why doesn't anyone read that and say, wow, how does that fit with this, you know, a thousand years later? How, how did he know that that was going to happen? Huh, I don't know. How did he know? It's, it's a miracle. And so, amazingly, one seamless story emerges. And so we're going to be looking over the next about 13 weeks at the Bible, which tells us the most important story ever written. Jesus is the subject in your life, along with all creation hangs in its balance. I believe that. I believe it's immensely important what's contained in the Bible. But as we said last week, don't make the mistake of thinking that Christianity exists because of the Bible. No, the Bible exists because of Christianity. Christianity existed and preceded the Bible that you have sitting before you now. For hundreds of years, Christians did not have a Bible, quote-unquote, that looks like what you have. That took time to be compiled as it is compiled and structured today. The Christian faith is based on the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. That's what everything hinges on. And as we go through this series, I think you'll find that this long story short all comes back to that. Even the stuff that happened long before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. It all comes back to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Even this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Perhaps some of the most famous words ever written. Today in our culture, if we say the word creation. It pulls certain things to mind, both for us and for the culture outside of, of the church. If you're here or listening and you're not a Christian, and you know, or maybe you are, but you struggle with doubts in this area, you know, creation, that word, may conjure up for you um, just people who ignore science, right? And, and likewise, if I were to say evolution in this room, I'd probably get a lot of eye rolling, or if I was to tell you that uh, you know you came from monkeys or something, then you'd probably fall out of your chair. Uh, you know, this is a, a a charged topic in our culture. There's a lot of disagreement that happens around this topic of creation and evolution, and I think it's a shame 
for the church because when we come to this beautiful passage of scripture that's written for us, we seem to miss the forest for the trees. We come to it as we come to a science textbook. And we want to read into it, how was the world created? And we want to form arguments in our mind to, you know, argue with the, the scientists of our day. And it's a shame that we do that. It's a shame that we do it because we miss one of the most foundational truths, maybe the most foundational truth, that's ever been put into words and written on a page. It's no coincidence that the Bible begins within the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And so I'm glad that you're here today and I want to ask that if it's possible, would you set aside all your questions about 24-hour days and dinosaurs <laughs> and whatever else might be rolling through your science mind and let's put on a different perspective today and let's try and discover what God hopes to communicate to us through this passage today. And I promise you, it's more than about whether it was 24-hour days or whether it was billions of years. There are truths here that change everything. Truths that I believe will resonate with things deep, within, deep inside of you. Because this is the creator of everything speaking into his creation. And that's significant, especially if you believe that you might be his creation. So let's talk about it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In its day, the passage that we read would have been earth-shattering. Just that first phrase would have been earth-shattering because in that world, gods did not create the heavens and the earth. They were in the heavens and the earth. They were the sun. Right? They were the rain. They were all different kinds of gods that a lot of times had to do with, you know, created things. Gods of war and gods of fertility and gods of this and that and the other. Gods, there wasn't just one God. And they were represented in creation, not out apart from it. And so this was mind-blowing in its day. Things that we take for granted now, we can take for granted because this has been around and has changed people's minds for generations and generations and generations to know that there is one God who pre-existed, who spoke things into being apart from his creation. We don't worship created things. We worship the creator of all things. And that's a significant truth, as is this notion that God placed us in his creation with a role to steward his creation, to manage it well in his will. This, too, gives purpose and meaning to our lives. It's so significant. But I want to call your attention to something else. See, this, this passage of Scripture is, is unique in that 
honestly, we're not really sure what to do with it. <laughs> like, we're not sure what to call it. We're not even really sure what genre it is. It's so old. I mean, it was written down probably, I don't know, 3,500 years ago or something like that, at least 3,000 years ago, written down. But it predates that. It was something that would have been transmitted orally before they were writing things down. And so, we're not even sure what to call this. Do you call it poetry? Well, it's kind of poetic. <laughs> you know, do you call it prose? Do you call it science? Do you call it history? Do you, what, do you, what exact label should we place on this? And we're kind of at a loss for that. And yet we can see things in its structure that are fascinating and they reveal truths in and of themselves. Things like repetition. Perhaps you noticed as we read through that it said over and over again, then God said, let something happen, right? Over and over. Then God said, let. And then after that it would say, and it was so. Over and over, and it was so. God said, let, and it was so. And after it was so, it kept saying, and God said, and God saw it was good. Except for when he created mankind and he said, and God saw it was very good. And it keeps saying, and there was evening and there was morning, the whatever day. The first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, but not the seventh day. I don't know if you caught that. Didn't say it on the seventh day. Somehow the seventh day just keeps going. So it's, it has a lot of repetition to it. And it's structured, right, into these days. Somehow there's day and night, morning and evening. Even before there was a sun and a moon, it says there was morning and evening. It's, it's structured this way. And as, as he goes, we see God separating things. You know, separating this from that. Ordering things. In fact, a lot of it, you may notice if you read back through it, that a lot of it isn't even about God creating things, but about doing stuff with the created stuff. It was like it was in chaos and disorder. And God started saying, well, let's move this over here and this over here. Let's separate this out. Kind of make a boundary here. And so we'll have land here and water here. We'll have air here and the earth beneath. I don't know also if you've, maybe you've noticed this before. Maybe not. But days one through three, he creates environments. And in days four through six, he populates those environments. And everything is balanced. And everything is separate. He's taking what's chaotic and making it orderly. For instance, in day one, he creates night, or he separates, right? The light from the dark. Separates it. And then when you come back around to day four and the cycle starts again, he populates those with moon and stars and a sun. Or days two and five, 
echo each other. In day two, he separates sea from sky. And on day five, he creates birds to populate the sky and creatures to populate the sea. Or days three and six, right? There's earth separated from the waters. And he populates then the earth with two things. Animals, and then at last, humankind. His crowning creation. And even humankind is created male and female. You see how ordered and structured all this is. How God is separating things and creating things in balance. Ordering his creation out of chaos. Imagine for a moment, I thought about putting a picture up of a classic car and then I thought, no, I'm just going to make half of the people mad. You know, I'm going to lose them immediately because they'll be like, why didn't he pick a Chevy or why didn't he pick a Ford or why? So then I thought, well, I could pick like a Rolls Royce. I couldn't find a good picture. Thought my, maybe that would be neutral. I don't know. <laughs> so just imagine in your head for a moment whatever your favorite classic car is. Picture it shined up, beautiful. And now, if you can imagine, take it all apart in your mind. And when I mean apart, I mean all apart. Every single part that can come apart. I want pistons over there, and lug nuts over here, nuts, bolts, spark plugs, everything separate. Take the tires off the wheels, separate. And just scatter it around in a big empty garage in your mind. Maybe that's a pretty good analogy for our minds sometimes, <laughs> a big empty garage. Okay, now. Imagine that you were able to put that thing together as it exists in this chaotic heap in your garage. And you might say, I'm going to put these parts together and call this the frame. And it's going to be separate from the body, but the body's going to rest on the frame. And it's good. And I'm going to put these parts together and it's going to be an engine that will provide power to the car. And these parts together, and it'll be called the transmission that'll transfer the power of the car. They'll work together, but they'll be separate. And then I'm going to put on these wheels and tires, and, and they're going to allow the car to go forward and backward, and, and brakes, and they're going to stop the car from going forward and backward, and they're going to work in harmony with each other. And it's good. And then maybe when you finish, you say, and let my daughter or my son come of age to sit behind the wheel of this car and steward this car that is mine in, in a way that will reflect my will and purposes and carry themselves and their belongings hither and thither <laughs> and preferably to go to work so they can help pay for gas and insurance. And it was good. It's that sort of thing. Piecing together out of chaos, bringing things into good order. We could say this, the Creator ordered our world 
and everything in it with boundaries and balance. The Creator ordered our world with, and everything in it with boundaries and balance. If you like to fill in your blanks, this is the time to do it. The Creator ordered our world and everything in it with boundaries and balance. And this is so significant for us because you cannot understand the Gospel if you don't understand this fundamental, foundational truth that Jesus accepted as fact. He cited and taught from this creation narrative. And at the, he knew the scriptures like the back of his hand. And this is the foundation of it, that, that God created the world and everything in it. He ordered it out of chaos to have boundaries and balance to function in the way that he saw fit for it to function. The way he designed it to function. And we all know that if you read on to, maybe we don't all know, I shouldn't assume. If you read on to Genesis 2 and 3, you find that this good and perfect order was violated. Boundaries were crossed. Balance was thrown out. When humankind, his crowning creation, male and female, stopped trusting God's good order thought maybe there was another way they could order things. Perhaps in their image. And in their will. This is how we understand where we are today. How it is that God's good and perfect order with boundaries and balance became out of order. And this is what we believe, that God's good creation is out of order. Out of bounds and out of balance. Imagine for a moment, again with the car, that your son or daughter did come of age and placed them behind the wheel. The wheel. And for a while, they drove it just as you taught them to. Then, over time, they started thinking, why do I have to put unleaded fuel in this thing? Why can't I put diesel in there? Why do I have to stay on the road? Maybe I want to go mudding. Why do I have to obey the speed limit? How fast can this thing go? Why do I have to start stopping early when I can start stopping 10 feet away from the stop line? <laughs> and so they began to do things according to their will and not in the way that it was designed. And pretty soon, your beautiful classic car is banged up a little. The steering is loose. The brakes are all worn out. It's burning oil. And it's even possible that your son or daughter may die because they refused to follow your will in how to operate the car that you put together and taught them to use. It's possible, isn't it? This is what we call sin. 
and it's gotten a bad reputation. <laughs> the world around us has come to see sin in the way that we have too often used it. A word with which to shame and induce fear in those who step out of line with our moral code. A word with, in, with which to condemn people to hell. And that's what the word has become. And it's lost its meaning, which in Hebrew was to miss the mark. As in God ordered things with boundaries and balance. And if you step out of that order, you are missing the mark of what it means to be human. As God designed you. You are missing the mark of, of how to drive the car. Simple as that. It's not about rule breaking. This isn't about shaming anybody. This is about a reality check. That there is a way in which God ordered his creation to operate with boundaries and balance. And when we step out of that order, it's called sin. And there's consequences for it. Just as there is in everything else in our lives. There's a passage in the book of Romans, Romans 1, that talks about creation and how things went wrong. And the sin that it harps on is homosexuality. And so people, every time that, Christians, every time that issue comes up in culture, you'll see them quoting Romans 1 a lot. Why is that? Is that because that particular sin is so much worse than every other sin? I don't think so. Paul talks about a lot of kinds of sins and he doesn't seem to play favorites. So why in this particular passage does he pick that sin? And, and as I thought about this message today, I thought maybe because it offers such a perfect illustration of what went wrong. Not because it's worse than this sin or that sin, but because it vividly illustrates. We just talked about how God ordered His creation and how His crowning moment of creation was when He created humankind. And just like everything else, He created humankind with boundaries and with balance. He separated them just like He separated the earth and the waters. The waters in the sky, the light and the dark. He created them, male and female. And so what more vivid picture of what sin is? Not a word to be used to shame and induce fear in people, but a word to describe what it means to step out of bounds and out of balance from God's good and perfect order to say things like, we're going to put male and male together, or female and female together. It's like, let's put light and dark together. Let's put the earth and the sea together. Let's put the sky and the earth together. Let's just jumble it all up. Let's have whales flying in the sky. Why not? 
He created them just like everything else he created with boundaries and balance. And so I think the reason Paul chose that, that particular one in Romans was to illustrate the nature of sin. All sin does that in some shape or form. It's just that one's easier to see when you're talking about God's creation and the way he ordered it. And any sexual sin violates God's order and balance just as any other sin does. And it also serves a good illustration for what happens when we step outside of God's bounds and His balance and His good and perfect order. Things begin to fall apart. STDs, unwanted pregnancies, which often lead to fatherless homes and abortions, which no one wants. No one. Even the, at least almost no one. Even the pro-choice crowd, they're not in favor of like, woo, let's all have abortions. It's just a fun time. And they're not for fatherless homes. Who, who is for these things? The world recognizes this isn't good. And yet it's a product of our missing the mark of our misordering of things, broken families, relational drama, depression, inability to experience intimacy that's worn down by things like pornography, suicide rates. Some of the highest suicide rates in our culture are found in the LGBT community. And they'll tell you that it's just because they're bullied. And surely that's, I'm sure that has a, a place in things. I mean, bullying clearly causes depression. But they've also done studies on groups that you know, have made, for instance, the change to, to be fully transgender and people recognize them as the gender they want to be recognized as in their life. And they don't have that anymore. And their suicide rates are still so much higher than the average population. I would suggest, because of my belief in Jesus and because of his belief in this creation narrative, that God created things with order and boundaries and balance. And we, when we step outside of those boundaries and balance, we don't know the half of what goes awry. We can see glimpses. But we don't know what gets twisted up in our souls and in our hearts and in our, even in the creation around us. The brokenness in our world, the devastation in our world, is a result of sin. Because when God created it, He said it was good. That's not to say that there's still not beauty to be seen in it. We all know that. Just as even if your child was to put diesel fuel in your classic car, it should still be a beautiful car. <laughs> right? There's still so much beauty to be seen in it, but anyone with eyes to see can see that not everything is right. God's good creation is out of order. What do we do with this? Well, the fact that God ordered 
our world and everything in it with boundaries and balance. The overarching creation narrative, it means that you and I and even all creation were meant for so much more than what we're experiencing now. For one thing, it tells you how God feels about you and why He made you. That you were and are His crowning joy. His crowning creation. And He loves you. It also affirms that you were right and not everything is okay in this world. Every time that you feel grief and pain Every time you look at someone else's suffering and say, that's not right, you're right. It's not. God's good creation is out of order. And a third thing it means is that you have purpose in your life. You still retain that purpose that God first bestowed on you to be a good steward of His creation. And that thought, more than any other, challenges my typical thinking on how I should interact with animals and the environment. Don't get caught up in politics. You are called and created to be a steward of God's creation. But given that everything is out of order and out of balance, you have a secondary purpose if you should choose to accept it. You have an opportunity to engage in what Jesus is up to. Did you know there's another book in the Bible, one of these 66 ancient documents that begins with those same words, in the beginning. And in John 1, we read, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the word, if you read on, is, is John's word for Jesus. A title for Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. And without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. We believe that Jesus is one with God. In fact, he's the part of God that makes things happen in the created world. He's the one through whom things were ordered and separated and placed in balance. And when things went wrong, he is the one that God sent to take on the flesh that he had created. To live the life that we were unable to live. To pay the ultimate consequence that we could not. And ultimately to raise to a brand new creation life that he now offers to us. And someday we believe Jesus will return. And when he does, he'll bring back with him all those who've gone on before us. And he'll, they will join with whoever of us remains here when Christ returns. And we, along with them, will receive brand new bodies. 
bodies that don't perish and that haven't been tainted by sin. But that's secondary. In a sense. In one sense, it's the ultimate hope, but in another sense, that new body, as frustrated as you may be with your body some mornings, it's the least of your problems. And your biggest, deepest problem is deep inside you. At the core of who you are. The way that you think about things. The way that you feel about things. It's out of order as well. And Jesus raised from the dead to give you hope of a new life in you now. New creation welling up from within you. Changing the way you think and feel and are. So that someday, when you receive that new body, it's just going to match what's already inside you by the power of His Holy Spirit. That's the gospel, friends, and I'm getting ahead of myself if I head on that too long. This series takes us there. But here at the opening of this, I want you to know that God created things with order, And then it's out of order. And you are invited not only to be put back into order yourself, but to help put others and all of the world back in order. The Bible tells the most important story ever written. Believe me yet? Jesus is the subject and your life along with all creation hangs in its balance. And this is just the beginning. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your life, for your good creation. We admit and confess our part, not just at the original fall of man, but even to this day, our part in corrupting your good creation. Holy Spirit, Do your work of new creation in us, we pray. Amen.